0: Hello and welcome to episode 51 of the Casual Try Hard Podcast. I'm Brian. And I'm James. And this week we're going to answer your questions. A lot of them. Yeah, we're just right at the beginning of spoiler season for, uh, or sorry, preview season
1: Yeah. for uh, Theros. so We've spent the last 45 minutes or so talking about these spoilers, but we're not going to talk about them today.
0: Yes, we're just going to do questions and we're yeah. going to save those for once we get closer to having the whole thing. Yeah. Though, suffice it to say, there are some punkers cards that were not playtested. They just couldn't have been.
1: Yeah, so Wizards said that uh, they were okay with the power level of Throne of Eldraine and to expect more of the same out of Theros, and boy, were they right.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I already saw a couple of tweets. I think Sam Black was like, well, it looks like 2020 is going to be just like 2019 if these spoilers are any, any indication. Yeah. We're yeah, for a wild ride. Yeah, they're, they're crazy. Like
1: Red seems real good.
0: Be prepared to have some cards banned in standard again, yeah. which is not a good place to be. But I do see why they gave us Leyline of the Void and Digger's Cage <laughs> in like the same set. We were all like,
1: "What are these?" This is more? really weird. Yeah, yeah. It's
0: like, oh, oh. <laughs> oh we see, yeah. we see now. Yeah, they, usually reasons, usually, they for usually reasons. reasons. They usually don't put the hate in two sets ahead. Two sets ahead, but they've yeah. just been like. This is going to be bad. <laughs> we got to do something here. Yeah. We messed up with Hogak. These ley lines can't be $40. Because <laughs> we need them in standard. Yeah. Oh, dear Jesus. All right. So, like I said, this week we're doing questions. Mm-hmm. And we got these questions from such places as Twitter,
1: at Casual Tripod. Yep. Uh, some of them came from Facebook, Casual Try MTG. We had a few emailed to us at show at CasualTryHardMTG.com. And some people talk to us in person, but not all of you have that luxury. Yeah. I mean, we wish you would, but. Or pleasure. I don't know. Pleasure. (laughs) Pleasure. (laughs) Um, That sounded creepy. Don't do that again. Yeah. (laughs)
0: And if you uh, listened to last week's episode and took James's advice and bought some cards, uh, you could get those using our affiliate link at tcg.casualtryhardmtg.com.
1: Yep. Helps us out a little bit. We
0: appreciate it. I uh, bought myself three Sanctums. I need to get number four. There you go. Uh, Waiting on TCG player to have a sale (laughs) before I buy the last one because I was like, hmm We're going into an enchantment set.
1: We sure are. Hmm. Hmm.
0: They've broken The last three sets they've printed. Yeah. Hmm. I wonder what enchantments gonna be broken I should probably get in on some Sarah sanctums on the ground floor. Yeah Good idea And the ground floor is $100, but uh, well sale i got them for 80 dollars a piece so all right they haven't shown up yet they're priority mailed though so hopefully they'll come so if you're gonna buy them on tcg player please Mm -hmm. use our
1: link please use our link
0: we have some listener questions Mm -hmm. we're gonna go through some of them we have the person's like name or twitter handle that asks us a question some of them we don't so
1: yeah it was a long time building this list we uh kind of shuffled some stuff around and some names got lost so don't feel bad if you don't hear your name. Yeah, we weren't we aren't screening you. We right. promise.
0: <laughs> First thing here is to to tell the, the listeners about myself if you if you don't remember. So, name's Brian. I have a PhD in organic chemistry. I started playing in like 4th edition Ice Age like right around in there. Yep. And I played through the beginning of the Urza's block. Okay. Uh, when I went to college, the people I played with in high school, I kind of didn't like keep in touch with anymore. Yeah. And the people that I kind of found in college to play with seemed weird. (laughs) So I kind of stopped playing at that point.
1: I think that's a pretty common story.
0: Yeah. I kept my cards through like 2008, Mm -hmm. uh, but I didn't play at all through grad school. I just had like a box of a bunch of cards and then I sold a bunch of them when I was moving. Mistakes were made. Put some gold in there, huh? Yeah, like a play set of every Duel Land. Yeah. Like Gaius Cradles and Sarah Sanctums, like all of it. Yeah. So I took like a big break. I didn't start playing again until, as I just tweeted at Channel Fireball, they had a poll up, when do you tell someone that you play Magic? Okay. And one of the options was on the wedding day. (laughs) Okay. In your profile (laughs) on the first date. And I was like, I got back into Magic after like 10 years off or close to it. On my honeymoon, I was playing Duels of the Planeswalkers <laughs> on my iPad. And then that's when I got back in. So I got back in about five years ago. Okay. Right right at like M15. Yeah. Like I started playing end of M15 cons. Okay. When I played way back in the day, I had no idea there was like a pro tour or right. any of that kind of stuff. So when people talk about like, you know, combo winter when it was just like all like Urza's stuff doing craziness. Yeah. I, not you that was not going on in like the back hallways of my high school <laughs> we were unaware okay yes yeah, so i've been playing like i said pretty competitively pretty regularly
1: since you got back into the game since
0: i got back in yeah i am the like resident combo player on the podcast
1: 100 percent. you like the broken stuff
0: i like to do broken things we have a question about like a fair versus unfair yep i try to sit more on the unfair side of things
1: and i am squarely in the fair seat yes makes for a good show
0: Yes, we have two different... Neither one of us wants to play Control, though. Neither, neither one of us wants to play a Counterspell. That's true.
1: Requires playing Islands. Yes.
0: <laughs> I will only play Islands if they enable me to do broken things. Uh, play frequently. It seems like I'm losing touch with some older formats, like Modern. Just no one's cared about Modern in, like, weeks.
1: I don't think that it's that we're losing touch. I think it's just the focus has been shifted a little bit. And we'll talk about that after the show. I got some ideas. Okay. So let's move on to the next one. Yeah, James. James. Let's talk about James. My name is James. I'm a shop foreman at a Volkswagen dealership locally here. Um, I've been working on cars for a very long time. Uh, I used to help my dad when I was a kid and worked for him for a little while and got into that when I got out of high school and been doing it ever since. So I'm a car guy. Okay. On top of that, I play lots and lots and lots of Magic. Um, I played back when I was a kid. I played from the very tail end of Unlimited through Visions, I believe. Also missed out on Combo Winter. I played through the era of Magic where the internet was just being born. So I believe one of the last sets that I played in, the entire spoiler was actually leaked as a, quote, god book on a news group okay i think that was alliances if i remember correctly okay so that was like the first the first spoilers we had like before that point when a new set came out you had no idea what was in the set so it was kind of an interesting time to play um i also had a whole bunch of really expensive cars that have kind of walked off over the years yes um and again kind of the same story Um, when I graduated high school, I kind of lost touch with everyone I used to play with and, uh, really didn't get back into the game until six years ago. I think I started playing like a year before you came back to the game. Okay. I started playing again, like M14 Theros.
0: Gotcha. I was, I was Theros M15. Yeah. So a
1: little bit before then have been playing pretty seriously since then, traveling to a bunch of events. I think. Like, we kind of started traveling to events together. Yeah. It's kind of how we're both sitting here at the same time.
0: Yeah. Uh, so, when I played back in the day, I wasn't allowed to play something about something, something, Satan, something, something.
1: So, uh, I
0: had to kind of, like, hide my cards for the longest time.
1: So, d- did you play in tournaments when you were a kid? or No. No, just, no, just, no, just like, back casual? hallway. Yeah. All right. So, when I was a kid, we... I'm trying to think of where they used to hold events. We played, there was a game store in downtown Syracuse, if anybody is listening. It was Twilight Booking Game Emporium, if you're familiar with it. Uh, We used to play there. They used to hold events at Salt City, I think it was Salt City Cards, or I think it was Salt City Cards, was a sports card shop in Camillus Mall. Okay. So random Saturdays we would play at Camillus Mall. Um, there was kind of a dirt mall in my hometown that randomly held events. You know the dirt mall, right? Oh, I know 100%. From Mallrats. You, you guys
0: haven't seen mall rats,
1: like Yeah, it's the dirt mall. It's the dirt mall. We okay. had a dirt mall. And randomly they would hold events there. Our local library for a little while one summer. Um, you could go in and play magic there. And we actually held tournaments in a church. Nice. Yep, there was a group of guys that got together and talked to church and uh, letting us use some of their meeting hall space or whatever. And we ran a couple tournaments in a church.
0: Awesome. Yep. So I think you also like, you were like, I'm a car guy. Mm-hmm. James used to race cars. Like, yeah, kind of sorta like, like street <laughs> racing kind of deal. Yeah, which just seems sorta. cool. Like he's one, he's one of those guys from the, 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 I'm sure the thoroughly <laughs> accurate TLC show. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> thoroughly accurate.
1: Thoroughly accurate. Uh, yeah, nothing I did was quite that organized. It was, just a bunch of yahoos hanging out on a Saturday night and yeah, I was tearing blessed. up some streets in an industrial part of town.
0: Yeah. I drove a K car and, a, and an escort. There was no racing. <laughs> no <laughs> racing. No racing. <laughs> um, to be
1: fair, my friends did a lot more racing than I did, but.
0: Okay. So next step, people wanted to know, so we told you to go buy stuff. Mm-hmm. They want to know what stuff we've bought mm-hmm. to
1: have all of our stuff. So you first this time. <laughs> For sleeves, I use KMC Inners. Okay. Everything I do is double-sleeved. Yeah. I have gross hands from working on cars all day. No matter how much I scrub, there is always some grime on me somewhere. My play mats get gross. My sleeves get gross. I make sure everything's double-sleeved for that reason. KMC Inners. I messed around with the KMC Hards for a minute, but they make the deck way too big. Um, you okay. end up with... 60 card deck that's the size of a commander deck and that's no fun so the kmc perfect fits i use for my inner sleeves dragon shield mats i use for Mm -hmm. my outer sleeves that's pretty much all i use as well yeah almost always black occasionally if i can't find black i'll get the um is it petrol is the other kind of cool color there's also
0: like jet as well yeah i don't
1: like the jets because the jets i confuse with my mats gotcha and like randomly i'll be shuffling a deck and i'll be like oh that's The wrong sleeve. (laughs) Yeah. So I try to make sure that they're not near each other. But I tend to use the blacks for a playmat. I use kind of whatever strikes my fancy. Once you've been playing for a while, you kind of end up with a big stack of playmats. Yes. So randomly, I'll cycle through and pick a new one. Right now, I believe I'm using the mat from Star City Regionals during Eldrazi Winter. Okay. And then... I don't use like they specifically asked. This person specifically asked about binders. I don't use binders anymore. My okay. collection's kind of too big for binders, um, so everything is in long boxes.
0: So I usually use uh, Ultra Pro inner sleeves. I kind of have a standing order on Amazon. I can just go back and like hit hit buy, and I just yeah. get like a package of them for like ten dollars. Mm-hmm. I do use Dragon Shield mats. Yep. I tried. I tried the katanas, and they're like fine.
1: Yeah, I got um, some trial katanas, kind of. I won a raffle at the store during, a, I think it was like a brawl day or whatever yeah. that our local game store was running. And I won a raffle and got some katanas. A lot of people swear by them. They're not my favorite. They,
0: they get sticky really fast, is what I found.
1: Well, they get like the dots on them, you know what I mean, by mm-hmm. the dots? Yeah. Um, like- especially in my hands, because they're kind of... In some sort of grimy state at yeah. all times, even immediately after washing them, like dirt builds up on them, and it seems to accumulate on the katanas a lot faster than it does the dragon. Yeah, shields. I have
0: one deck. And my legacy deck is in katanas, and it's like, eh.
1: yeah, they're fine.
0: Yeah, I have one ultra pro binder that's like three across mm-hmm. that I keep all my like standard stuff in for trade. So I carry yeah. it with me. That's like the only binder I have. I use. Forget the brand name, but it's called the Monster Shoebox. Okay, it's a box that is three rows wide, mm-hmm. and that's what I have all my collection in. Okay, I think they hold three thousand cards apiece, ish, ish, somewhere in yeah. there. So that's what I use to to store my cards that aren't like actively trying to trade yeah. or like being played. I do have, my wife likes accessories.
1: Mm-hmm. So I have some nice accessories. You do have um, some nice accessories. And actually, I was watching the prop, one of the Prof's mm-hmm. videos a little while ago. One of his recent videos, he was talking about like his favorite stuff. And it's the same. Aaron Kane. Yeah.
0: So there's this guy in Michigan. His name's Aaron Kane. My wife went like into a YouTube hole. Like years did, ago, right? Years ago. Yeah. And found this guy. He hand makes deck boxes. Yep. You can order them, different openings, different sizes. You can tell him what woods you want. Mm-hmm. And so I have like three deck boxes that I use a lot. That they the the top is slides in and out, and then they have little inlays that are different colors. So mm-hmm. if I was smart enough to remember which inlay went right. to which deck, you wouldn't confuse them. I have a a matching wooden playmat holder. Mm -hmm. The playmat I use is whatever one my wife got me. Yeah. So I have one from uh, RK Post
1: that has Rick and Morty on
0: it. Mm -hmm. And you've
1: got like an OG Aurelio one too, right?
0: Yes. I have an old Aurelio one that was also what my wife got me. Yeah, It got retired for for the new one the wife got me. Uh, And then for Christmas, I got one of the Ammonite uh, backpacks. I
1: saw that sitting on your staircase while I was feeding your cats.
0: Yeah, that was... That was uh one of my Christmas presents. I also got a a frame that I need a mat for apparently for uh, one foil War of the Spark oh, sheet very upstairs. Nice. I just have to. I set it in there. I was like, there needs to be a mat. This is like just a touch too big.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, I forgot to talk about deck boxes. I use the old school Star City Games plastic like Velcro front ones. Yeah, for almost all of my stuff. They are like exactly the right size for a double sleeve. 75 card, yeah, like 60 card plus your sideboard with like five tokens. They're the exact right size.
0: There's like, uh, I guess it's uh, the plastic ultra pro deck boxes,
1: yeah, the boulders, or that's ultimate guard, it's ultimate guard, but just
0: like the they're like five dollar, like thin plastic. Yeah, these I got from
1: I actually ordered them off Star City Games for like two dollars a piece or something, yeah, like forever ago. They used to give them out when you went to their tournaments. They don't anymore.
0: Yeah, I have a couple channel fireball ones from going yeah. to some GPs. And then the
1: uh, the channel fireball ones are a little bit bigger. I use those for the occasional time when I have a commander deck together. Yeah,
0: so that's pretty much it. I have a sweet, uh, again from the wife, mm-hmm. Pickle Rick notebook that I currently keep my life total in. Yep. So, if you're significant others into accessories, <laughs> just steer them in the right direction. You just get all kinds of cool stuff. Yep. Stuff I would never have bought myself. Right. I
1: just have, like, all these neat things now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I use um, whatever's cheap at Barnes & Noble's when I go there. Okay. Uh, for my life pad. I like something a little bit more pocket-sized instead yeah. of, like, notebook-sized. So, whatever I see up near the register that strikes my fancy when i need ones what i pick up like the moleskin size or whatever okay and i think that's it for accessories right is it all right so the next question is uh somebody would like to hear about sideboarding now they specifically wanted some theory discussion which we probably don't have time for today for everything yeah Yep. but the next part of the question we probably do they want to know the difference between or why sideboard plans change play versus draw okay so what do you think about sideboarding play versus draw?
0: So it depends on like it depends on your deck, of course. Mm-hmm. But I think we've talked about it before, like the mono red mirrors. Yep. When you're on the draw, you're more of a controlling deck. Yep. You're trying to kill all of their stuff mm-hmm. because you started the game with an extra card right. because you were on the draw. So you're trying to get rid of, run them out of resources mm-hmm. and be left with like, the, thing the only 2-2 on the battlefield right right because you're gonna be up that one resource you're gonna be able to make that happen mm-hmm. where when you're on the play you're more taking an aggressive stance and mm-hmm. trying to figure out some way to mitigate the fact that they're going to kill all of your stuff right
1: mid-range decks are the ones that mostly change play versus draw also same reasons when you're playing the mirror your role in the matchup is going to change and also a lot of the mid-range decks that i play play some sort of discard and discard gets considerably worse when you don't get to go first
0: cuz you're already behind on some right. level yeah and also like depending on your deck maybe you're playing a you know maybe it's modern and you're playing dredge mm-hmm. and if you're on the play you could maybe bring in your thought seizes right? because you're going to have two chances to get their rest in peace, Mm -hmm. right? You can do it on turn one or you could do it on turn two. Right. Whereas if you're on the draw, you have one shot. Mm -hmm. And maybe if you miss, then that card's not going to do a whole lot otherwise. Right. And then you also want to think about going back to the theory part of it. Mm -hmm. Like we've talked about this before, like how you're changing your what your deck's trying to do in sideboarding. Yeah. If you're not go full transformational cyborg, where you go from a combo deck to like a bad mid range deck or mm-hmm. a bad aggro deck, but you are trying to like, I think you've said this about Jun before. It's a cohesive 75 yeah. cards. Yeah. And so you're trying to bring in certain things in certain matchups. Yep. There is just the simple part of sideboarding of they play a spell that is arrow volley or something it's an old card is like red deal one damage to each of your opponent's creatures mm-hmm. well maybe you cut some of your x ones right because that card just destroys you or they have run in six
1: i was actually gonna say the exact same thing but with goblin chain whirler yeah
0: goblin chain whirler Yep. like hey i can't play a bunch of x ones because they have a card that just yeah. takes care of all of
1: them yeah so when I mean, uh, when the black red decks were real popular in like Ammon cut standard, like at the tail end of Kaladesh, like Ammon yeah. cut that period, the deck played a lot of like Boemek Couriers and Glint Sleeve Siphoners and stuff, but it also played Chain Whirler. So depending player draw, you know you might get your value out of your Boemek Couriers and your Glint Sleeve Siphoners, but you might not if you're facing down a Chain Whirler. Yeah. So there was times right like to-
0: on on the play. You could go, like, Siphoner, get your energy, mm-hmm. attack. Trade get it your, for a card. Get a card before your opponent right. had a chance to... Chain maybe maybe had away. a chance to Chain Whirler it. Yep. Where on the draw, like, you're not going to have that... Op- you're not going to get to the two energy or whatever right. that you needed. So there is some of that. I think that when we did the whole thing where we talked about our legacy deck when we played mm-hmm. uh, Depths, yep. right, we did a lot of that sideboarding... Like the the whole theory crafting, I think this will be good. Yeah, that's true. Right. And we went through and we thought about how we wanted the matchup to play Mm -hmm. and what cards we could put in our deck. Right. That would support that game plan. To support that game plan. Right. So against Storm, we brought in a bunch of discard. Right. Like him to Turox. Because it's like, well, they need a bunch of cards. Yeah. We just have to keep them off of cards. And eventually we will win the game if they just don't have cards to do anything. Mm hmm. And I think we did something similar with like against like show and tell. Yep. It was like they need a certain combination of cards. Mm-hmm. And if we can get them off their cards. Right. Then we can, we will win the game eventually. Yep. And then there are other times it was like, well, no, in this matchup, we need to go fast. We need to have an answer to this type of creature or whatever. Yep. And so that changed our, our plan. Mm-hmm. And there were sometimes it was like, this card is just bad. Right. And we have four cards we want to bring in for the game plan <laughs> and six cards we want to take out of the deck Yeah, because two of these cards are just awful. What are things in our 15 cards we can bring in? And so there was a yeah. lot of, we have this card that we want in matchup A. Mm-hmm. What other matchups could we bring it in? Right. Right. So we want this card in matchup A, but maybe there's another card that would be just as good, but then we could bring it in. In three other matchups to fill in one of those like yeah this is bad becomes slots. a much better sideboard card so then you might make those kind of changes as well yep but yeah think about think about what your deck is trying what you want your deck to do what you want the matchup to play out like mm-hmm. and then what cards you can put in to make that happen
1: yep now I just noticed the other day and I know I sent it to you I haven't had a chance to read it yet and I don't think you've no. had a chance to read it yet but uh PV just did an article for star city games all about sideboarding yeah. so he is a fantastic magic player obviously and also writes some pretty good content i would imagine this article's great i plan on reading it just haven't had a chance to yet and i think you said you're gonna link it like on yeah. twitter or something you'll blast it out there yeah i'll try it i'll
0: tweet it out and i'll probably throw it in the show notes as well there'll be a couple yeah. links from Different articles that yep. like address p- some things that people have asked. We can yep. talk about it. some of them. Be like, hey, there's this article. Yeah, so go look uh, at that
1: if you're interested in going a little bit deeper in sideboarding, you can check out. We did do a couple episodes on sideboarding. You can go back and check those out. You can also check out PV's article, and I imagine at some point in the not so distant future, we'll probably revisit sideboarding also.
0: Yeah. All right. Next up is what are your thoughts on historic?
1: I have played actual zero historic.
0: I have played a little bit of historic.
1: Yep my uh, my thoughts on historic are, I wish it was pioneer so I didn't have to learn another format.
0: Yeah, I think that people have brought. I think Sam Black made this comment as well. Like they don't. It's clear they don't understand like competitive players. Because why am I going to play historic? Right. When it doesn't exist anywhere. Exist anywhere else. Yeah. Right, and it's not even like. With the random historic cards they've put in. Yeah. It's not like it really can exist anywhere else. Right. Right. You're not going to have, like, a paper format that's just, like, randomly Soul Warden is in this format, and yeah. so
1: is Burning Tree Emissary. And now Reese the Redeemed.
0: Yeah. <laughs> because reasons. Right.
1: Yeah. Who knows?
0: I have played... I played some... Mm-hmm. Um, I pseudo broke it, getting to play Flood of Tears and Omniscience. Yeah, that's pretty good. If you can make it to turn five or six, you mm-hmm. just win the game on the spot. Yeah. Uh, the problem is the format from what I saw is super aggressive. Okay. Because it has the it has the problem that uh, Standard has had for a while, and I think we talked about this, it's similar to Pioneer. Mm-hmm. The removal is terrible. Right. Right, and when your opponent can go like, Pelt Collector, Burning Tree Emissary, Zurta Goblin. Yeah, it's pretty good. Attack you for three on turn two and have eight power on board.
1: Yeah, it's a pretty good start.
0: Yeah, you just are like, uh, uh, you know, play my egg. Yeah. <laughs> Go. <laughs> like, oh, I'm just dead here. Yeah. Uh, so it is pretty aggressive from what I've seen, but I don't think it's worth right now dumping a bunch of time in. Like, yeah, I would I don't much think so rather. Either. Give them a bunch of money for Pioneer cards.
1: Hundred percent. Put
0: Pioneer on there, and you'll get my money.
1: I will throw crazy money at Pioneer on Arena. Make it happen.
0: Yes, because I will definitely. That'll be like where I play my Magic. Yep. Uh, now the person also wanted to know: Do you think they're going to make Wizards going to make a push in 2020 to put more Eternal formats like Historic on Arena? And I direct you to the Brawl Days.
1: <sighs> do we have to go there?
0: I think that is the most reasonable comparison. So if you guys don't know, so brawl effectively, quote unquote, is like a semi, not eternal format, but it's a format that you can just take the cards that you have and make a deck, Mm -hmm. right? And doesn't have a ladder. And on some level you could just make your brawl deck and then only add like one card a set.
1: Well, no, that that's not hundred percent true. There's brawl and historic brawl.
0: There's brawl and historic brawl.
1: Like brawl is standard legal. Brawl
0: is but my point being, if you made your brawl if you made a chulane brawl deck. Oh, yes. and you're like chulane's yep. my boy. Yeah, that's true. And then you're gonna add three cards from Theros, maybe. Yeah. And you're gonna add three cards from a Yeah. Right, you might only need to spend ten wild cards for the year Right. to jam Chulane. Mm-hmm. Right? And they're like, eh, you're not giving us enough money. Mm-hmm. So they like said you can only do brawl on Wednesday. Yeah, and then that has spawned a- everybody
1: getting pissed off, rightfully.
0: And there's also a bunch of like Discord servers. Like Noxious runs what Merchant runs it. Okay. Uh, the Brawl Hall. Okay. I think is what it's called. Where if you want to play Brawl, you can just go on and you will find people... Mm, to play against. In To play against. Like, it's just constantly like, hey, I want to play Brawl. Here's my name and someone will challenge you. Cool. Because you can play it on a direct challenge. Yeah. So then they were like, we're going to do the Brawl-a-days. Yeah. Where you can pay us, I think it ends up being 10 or $15 in gems. Yeah. And you can play Brawl whenever you want for the next month. Yeah. Super and awkward. So... I think that they are hesitant, and even like if you look what they did with historic. Yeah, historic. What is it? It doesn't count towards your daily wins.
1: It it counts towards your goals, though, right?
0: I think it counts towards your goals. Yeah,
1: but does it count towards your wins? Right. You can play it ranked, but it doesn't give you experience.
0: I don't know. It's something weird. Yeah. So they are hesitant to have. Formats where you don't have to constantly buy stuff, buy stuff, be available on the client, mm-hmm. and like I understand, I understand that. I think they could do it
1: better. Well, you know what they do is they just do the challenges. Like they, you can sign up for a standard challenge for five hundred coins, and potentially, like if you go six two or whatever. You get a thousand coins and three cards. Yeah. Why can't they do that with Brawl? They could do that. You play until you get two losses and maybe win something. They could do that with, you know, Pioneer or whatever else is coming. They do it with that too. Like maybe they don't let you play it on ladder or have a separate ladder for it or have, you know, a seasonal ladder. This, this season, the ladder's going to be standard. The next season, the ladder's going to be Pioneer. You know what I mean? Yeah. Rotated it around.
0: Or like the Brawl days could have just had like a small rake of like every time you play, you give them 10 coins. Sure. Right? And you just get to play Brawl, whatever you want, Mm -hmm. and we're just going to
1: like... Siphon some coins
0: out of the market. Every so often, we're going to take 10... Every time you like pair, we're going to take 10 coins. And I think people might have ended up spending more coins... Probably. Jamming Brawl at 10 coins a pop Mm -hmm. than the like... Three hundred coins on the on the front end, or three thousand coins, or whatever it was on the front end. I think it's ten thousand. coins. Ten thousand. Yeah. So I think people like didn't like that, but like I could see people spend it paying playing a thousand games of Brawl over the course of a month. I mean, it's mm-hmm. I know it's thirty games a day, but there's some crazy. There's people that like are going to play that much. Like yeah. I, when I have time, I play a lot. Mm-hmm. So so
1: there's actually like a boycott for the Brawl days. Okay. Like people are specifically saying don't do it just to like send wizards a message or whatever. Yeah. You think you'd get more money out of them by charging 10 coins a game instead of just everybody boycotting it? Boycott it? Like yeah, it. Yeah. A hundred percent.
0: Yeah. So I know there's a lot of people that like are using the discord servers yeah. and like different sites to yeah. try to match for brawl without having to do this. Yeah. So until they figure out a, a good way to monetize, mm-hmm these other formats I think they're going to be hesitant to add them
1: and like to be fair like completely transparent here I'm fine with them monetizing me like I'm okay with giving wizards money as long as they're going to give me like a good product that's what I want you know what I mean
0: yeah as long as I like as long as I get like the requisite amount of enjoyment yeah right because like you know in theory like to go to a movie Mm -hmm. it's 10 to 15 dollars yep right and it's like two hours Mm mm-hmm Right. $15 for however many hours of brawl. Right. Like. That's a way better deal. It's a, it's a, you know, it's a, yeah. it's a, it's a month of something, but I think it's the fact that everyone feels like it should be something that they should already be able to do. Yeah. It shouldn't be gated on like a Wednesday. Right. And all this other stuff. It's like, yeah. I already have all these cards. You won't let me turn cards into other things. Right. So let me use these things Mm -hmm. the way I want to use them. And I don't want to use them to play historic. Right. I want to use these to play historic brawl Mm -hmm. or just brawl in general. Let me do this thing I want to do. I've already given you $100. Mm -hmm. Now let me use my little digital pieces of cardboard. Mm -hmm. I mean, I hope they figure out a way to do it. I mean, they've figured out a way to do it on magic online and it is effectively like leagues. I don't know how much like the practice rooms cost. Yeah. I don't know. I don't the think el- practice
1: rooms cost anything.
0: Right. So I mean, those exist. Yeah. And I think part of it is just the way that the interface on arena is set up. And this has been an argument when people are like, Oh, when they're like, Oh, everyone plays best of one. Mm-hmm. And people are like, well, that's because like everything else is like buried. Right. Right. Like I have not looked Up (laughs) Beyond like the free play stuff Unless it is like one of the Like special events for like a week Or two yeah. Like at all like I've not played in one of the challenges In like forever Mm -hmm. So but I think a lot of the stuff's buried they need to do a better job of like
1: Making it so everyone can find what they Want to find right but I mean like I said I think the challenges solve a lot of that Yeah
0: I do too like I would
1: 100% sign up For I mean I'd probably Sign up for a brawl challenge Yeah I'd sign up for... I would 100% sign up for... Like, if that was the only way to play Pioneer in Arena, I'd be doing uh, Pioneer challenges all day, every day. Yeah, I
0: would do. I would probably be like, how I would get my wins each night. Yeah. It's like, do a challenge and like... Because yep. uh, please don't make me play any more standard. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, I would like to see it. Like I would also like to see I would it. like to see Pioneer. It seems like it's feasible... And it seems like we are using a lot of the same mechanics. Yeah. Right? Like, we're introducing new mechanics, but, like, I think there's enough mechanics that are similar. Right. That it shouldn't be a mechanics issue. Yeah. I can't it's think just, of
1: anything back to RTR that would be problematic. Yeah, that we don't that have. they haven't done something similar to. Or
0: have a card that already does it. Like, Pelt Collector yeah. covers, I don't know, all of Evolve.
1: Yeah, basically.
0: Yeah. So it's like, okay, if that card works, this works. Yeah, and the only thing that's like newish is morph, but I can't think of like a but like whatever. No, we have morphs. We do. Yeah, Ugin. Oh yeah, they're yeah kind of Six manifest. Six mana things. Ugin. Yeah, yeah, I mean
1: that's basically morph.
0: Yeah, they just basically you manifest. Yeah, yep.
1: we have cards that transform.
0: Yeah, I think it's just an issue of like enough programmers, but like I don't know. Yeah, you're gonna get three hundred dollars, four hundred dollars from the two people sitting at this table. Yeah, and there's a lot of tables with a lot of two people <laughs> that would give you that. Like you well, can pay I mean, for
1: three more programmers. To how make many this happen. like random streamers are there?
0: Yeah, that you would just like totally get them off like yeah. Magic Online and be on Arena. Yeah, because I think that you know most people, even if they like Magic Online, like I'd much rather play on the Arena interface. Or it's a lot better
1: to watch.
0: Yeah, I'll get more viewers. Yeah, yeah, you'll just get every streamer. I'll just give yeah. you $1,000. Mm-hmm. So there we go.
1: Next question.
0: Oh, man. <laughs> what five live performances would you like to see in 2020? Music, theater, etc. cetera. Whew. All right. You want me to go first? You can go first. This is, this is out of left field here.
1: Yeah, this is a weird one. I'm not a huge music guy. Not to say that I don't like music. It's just not like a giant part of my life. It's not something that I spend a lot of time like researching or doing whatever. In like I've been to concerts, but it's not like I you know plan my concert schedule. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. I'm definitely not a theater guy. Okay, not my thing. (laughs) What I would like though is to see my sister's show. Now I don't think it's going to happen in 2020 because she's currently not in the country. But uh, one of my sisters does wardrobe for a Cirque du Soleil show. And she is currently in Russia and has been there for a month, I think, and is absolutely loving it. Okay. Um, And I think she's spending the next year like touring Europe and South America and a bunch of places that aren't here. So I'm probably not going to have the chance to, but it would be cool to go see her show.
0: Gotcha. Let me see here. I haven't done concerts in a while. I used to go to concerts all the time in college. Mm Mm-hmm and in grad school part of the problem is like there's kind of one live music venue here
1: yeah
0: and it is for you know i guess now kind of like i'm the target demo for everything that comes to the house of blues (laughs) it was like they were pretty cool in the late 90s and early 2000s come watch whoever so like but i haven't I think like two years ago, I saw Coheed and Cambria. Okay,
1: there I saw um, Deftones there like three or four years ago. Okay, I, think.
0: I am a hundred percent in. Like this is totally on brand as a college professor. Uh, <laughs> there's a podcast I listen to uh, mm-hmm. called "Pods of America," and I saw them last year in Charleston. Mm-hmm. And if they came back around, I would go, go see them. Go see them. I also not a theater guy. Mm-hmm. When my wife and I started dating, I took her to dracula the ballet in new york in in uh atlanta okay and uh i was like why are these guys crawling around on the floor this is not dance um this is what toddlers do yeah and then i also took her to see i think it was Madame butterfly the opera okay and i told her that my favorite people were the uh, the ninjas they have like people that like hold up scenery and dress in all black yeah i'm like Dude, these ninjas are awesome <laughs> but uh, that
1: was your favorite part yeah
0: so you can tell i'm cultured yeah uh yeah, so I would go see that like mm-hmm. kind of like show, but there's there's again, I've kind of out of touch in music. If Better Than yeah. Ezra ever tours again, <laughs> I'm in. You're but they in. haven't left New Orleans in like years. Every so often <laughs> I just go check to see if they're like around. It was like my favorite band from like high school and college like 1997. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, if they ever like decided to leave New Orleans, I would be in. But All right. All right. So
1: the next question Again, Brian Right in my wheelhouse What's your favorite beer?
0: I don't drink Like literally at all well, yeah. Like alcohol yeah. I like drink other fluids um, <laughs> So I guess we'll have to go with root beer
1: Yeah I, I kind of wrote that down for you <laughs> Yeah it's pretty easy <laughs> I am kind of a beer snob So I have kind of a lengthy answer to this As far as the best beer I don't think that's a thing For a whole bunch of different reasons tastes change. What I like right now is probably not something that I would have liked a year ago or 10 years ago. And also like the craft brewery scene is evolving pretty quickly. Um, so I think those two things combined doesn't really lend itself to having a quote unquote best beer. I can tell you what I'm super into right now. There's a local brewery called new South that had a special, I don't think it was a seasonal beer, but it was like a limited run. I think they only did a couple barrels of it. There was a hazy IPA called Cloud City that was absolutely fantastic. And then there's a couple other, like local ish breweries within, you know, two or three hours of us that I've been really digging lately. Uh, Sycamore Brewery is out of Charlotte, I believe. They have an IPA called Tropical Kush that's delicious. They also do a milkshake IPA. With uh, milk sugar instead of like normal sugar. Um, That's really good, really creamy. Sweetwater out of Atlanta has 420 IPA Mm -hmm. um, that they brew with some sort of hemp product. Yeah. That gives it like a really neat funk at the end. Um, That one's really good. And then uh, Westbrook in Mount Pleasant um, is doing some really interesting things lately that uh, I've been kind of digging. Gotcha. Um, my
0: my exposure to New South is I took the chemistry club on a tour.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's we, pretty cool in there, we, man. We have to go
0: clear in the back, and they showed us everything. We did a whole. It, tour I mean, them. their
1: back's open to the public all the time. Yeah, but we it, got like a tour, a little guided yeah, tour. It's super cool in there. I've only been to a couple breweries, but that is the only one that I've been to where their seating area is in the brewery like there's vats and pallets and you're just like in the brewery sitting down having a beer. It's really cool. Yeah. It is a neat place.
0: When I went there, I went there like years ago when you just drive up, like it's kind of in a rough part of town. Oh and yeah, like, definitely. And like, there's like a gate and like razor wire, just yeah. crap in the front. I'm just like, what the <laughs> hell is this? Like, like I hope I don't lose any students here. Yeah. Like
1: it's actually a pretty cool place to go. I'm yeah. going to take a quick aside here for a second and tell anybody that's visiting Myrtle beach or is kind of local. If you haven't checked it out, it's really cool. Um, they do like a rotating food truck schedule where they don't have like a restaurant on premise. They don't do food there, Uh, but they have a rotating food truck schedule and you'll have to check their website. But I believe every Sunday that I've been there, I believe it's every Sunday they have like a brunch truck come through that does like, you know, fancy brunch stuff. So you can, you know, get a couple beers, and they're really cheap when you get them right there. And then, uh, you know, have your brunch and sit in the brewery, and it's there really cool. Really unique atmosphere.
0: So based on your previous answer here, yeah. Uh, this next question is, yeah. uh, is, why do IPAs suck?
1: Yeah, they don't suck. You suck. Okay. <laughs> As an aside to that, I didn't like IPAs for a really long time. I kind of had to train my taste buds to like them. I had a really good one like three or four years ago that my brother-in-law brought down from Connecticut called Sip of Sunshine that kind of like changed my mind about IPAs. I always used to really like dark beer, but that that one in particular was so different than any other IPA I had. It kind of made me want to see what else was out there. So I started like slowly getting into them and now that's almost all I drink. Okay. I can definitely see why people don't like them, though. Like, you take a sip and you're not used to it, and it's like getting punched in the face with a pine branch. Like, there are some strong flavors in there.
0: I'm going I'm to stick to that, Dr. Pepper.
1: <laughs> Your root brewski. <laughs> My root brewski,
0: exactly. All right. So, now we're into the. We got some Twitter questions. Yep. And these ones you do have names for. I do thank have you. names for. Yeah. I did this last night. So, mm-hmm. at Pretty Ugly Art. Okay. Had a very detailed question here. Morrow has repeatedly gone on record saying that white should only be able to draw cards by jumping through more hoops than other colors and only under specific conditions. Do you think this is the, do, you, do you think this component of the color pie is good for magic or does it hurt white ability? White's ability to compete?
1: This is a deep question.
0: It is. I think we can answer the last part uh, okay. by looking at the uh, standard shakeup. Uh, yes. So the standard shakeup on arena is a standard format where they have banned certain cards,
1: like the m- top twenty-five most played cards. I think they do, or something along Without those something lines. Like yeah.
0: yeah, they banned exactly zero mono white cards. Right. I think there was Teferi, Time Raveler, mm-hmm. and maybe one other like gold white card. Right.
1: Were the only cards. Were with the white only pips. cards
0: that were banned. Yep. So currently white is not competing uh right. channel fireball has been tweeting out the most played cards at gps in each mm-hmm. format and like like registered planes in standard mm-hmm. is like half as much mm-hmm. as like the next land right so i don't think white has been competing for a while right because
1: white what's well, kind of always been a support color right
0: to some degree but it's it's, yeah. it's very one note like you yeah. get a bunch of like like kind of underrate creatures Mm -hmm. and your removal right now has been super like fragile. Yeah. Right. You have all the enchantment
1: removal. Yeah. It's all expensive too.
0: And it's all, yeah. Like prison realm costs three mana. Right. And you can't
1: hit a witch's oven with it. Right. And it's fragile because it sits there.
0: Yeah. And it's like, I, I, I can't do this when I could play assassin's trophy.
1: Yeah, and kill everything. And kill
0: everything. Though they get a land. Right. But a lot of the white removal, you know, if you think about Deccan Stone, mm-hmm. they got a clue, so they got that card back eventually. Right. Winds of Abandon is two mana. And gets a land. Gets a land. Yep. Right. So even the good, a path to exile, even the good right. white removal has some sort of like make even, lessen the damage, lessen the exchange. Right. Where like black removal is just. Make Kill it, it dead? Yeah. I think, you know, that is a problem.
1: The other part of this question that wasn't asked and that you probably don't know a ton about is, um like, White's pretty bad in Commander, too. Okay. For the same reasons. In EDH, it's a lot harder to trade resources to get ahead. And when you can't trade resources to begin with, it makes it impossible. Yeah. Coupled with the fact that White can't draw cards makes it really hard to have like a white EDH deck, not saying it can't be done. There's plenty out there, but it's a lot harder than the other colors, which is kind of another part of, you know, this question. But also I'm going to flip this on its head and say that I agree with a lot of the things that this person said and some of the things that Morrow said or whatever. But would you think the same way if green slice of the color pie wasn't completely wide open right now?
0: Yeah, I think that it goes back to they have tried to give every color but white, yeah, a way to draw cards, mm-hmm. right? That used to live in blue, right, and in black, right. to some degree,
1: but only if you punched yourself.
0: Yeah, only if you like lost life, right? Yep. And that's where like drawing cards lived in the color pie, mm-hmm. and then it was like, well, red, uh, green needs ways to draw cards, so you get like harmonize. Mm-hmm right from planar chaos planar chaos
1: yeah it's been in a bunch of stuff since yeah. then i think but, but yeah. i think it's planar chaos yeah. originally
0: right so green needs a way to draw cards and now mm-hmm. we're going to staple card drawing onto all of green's yeah cards and well red needs a red way to draw cards so that's going to be rummaging rummaging or, exiling, or, or right? the, like exile and then yeah and then you have to use them in a certain time frame yeah because, I mean, honestly, like, light up the stage is one of the best card draw spells ever printed. Yeah. Like, one mana draw two. Pretty like much. They've got to jump through a that small hoop. A yeah. But it's still very powerful. Mm-hmm. And it just doesn't seem like they have decided to give white anything. Anything. Like, I don't know what thing you would have to, like, what thing white would have to do. Yeah. To be able to draw cards But it yeah, feels sure. like they should be able To draw cards on some level Yeah, Since every other color gets to do it
1: mm-hmm. In some way or another
0: Yeah and so With now three colors just getting like Pay some amount of mana yeah. Put cards into your hand
1: I mean they kind of They kind of did with like Mentor of the Meek Right? That was like a way for white to draw cards Yeah And then Dawn of Hope Dawn of Hope when you gain life Like, I I think that's how, I don't know what the rate would have to be, but I think that's kind of, like, how white would have to draw cards. Yeah, but I think, like... It's like a tax effect, almost. Oh, that might be a way for white to draw cards, is as a tax. Yeah,
0: I mean, like, if smothering tithe instead of giving you a treasure... Give you a clue. Or gave you a card. I guess that's, like, a Ristic study, I guess, is the blue version of that. yeah. Right, but like something like that where you, or like honestly, like, you know, if Mentor of the Meek was printed today, mm-hmm. like just designed now to be like on power with the other stuff going on, it would just have to be like three mana, two, two. When you play a creature, draw a card, draw a card, or yeah. when you play a creature with power under or whatever. Yeah. But those cards go to green now. Right. Right. So, well, like, no,
1: because green's card draws. Tied to big p- creatures, like it rewards you for playing big creatures, right? Like Harmonize. No, Harmonize is just. Oh, Harmonize is just draw three cards. Draw, draw but three they've had a bunch of them that were like draw like, card or draw cards equal to creatures' power yeah, or toughness or but whatever. But you have
0: like Beast Whisperer, four mana, play a creature, draw a card. Yeah, you that's have, true. Uh, Guardian just Project,
1: any, any card, yeah.
0: Play a creature, draw a card. Basically, yeah. Right. So you have all these green, like so green moved into or if it was like whites was like whenever a token creature comes into play draw a card
1: oh man like
0: i'm just saying like yeah. or whenever a token creature comes into play pay one yeah draw, draw a, card. a card right something like that but it just seems like they've not tried to find that like purely white way to draw a card yeah and i do think it makes white a support color yeah as opposed to being able to be like a main color mm-hmm because if you think about all the decks that have been played in the last, like, year or two that have been white, it's yeah. like, you know, just guy Planeswalkers is like, well, I've got to play, like, Teferi, mm-hmm. then I'll play all these red and blue cards. Yeah, maybe or, definitely Clarion. Yeah, or, like, Esper, Esper Control. It's like, well, I have to play Teferi, and I'll play Kai's Wrath, yeah. but, like, you're not playing, like, just white cards. Right. Blue-white Control, it was like you played the removal. Yeah. And then sometimes Lyra. And sometimes Lyra. But it's, like... It's just white's always, like, there's this gold card that has
1: white in it. Yeah, so that's why you're white. So
0: that's why I'm white. Like, you're not, like, I am white because I
1: want to do the thing that white does. Right, because I want to play a Johnny's Pride Mate.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, in the, like, the go wide stuff isn't good enough when your opponent can, like, you know, play a 3-3 three, three that eats it and just 2-for-1's yeah. you. Yeah. He went 1-drop, 2-drop, 3-drop, and then went, like, mana dork into 3-3 three, three, eat your thing. <laughs> Yeah. And you're just like, hmm, or they went like play a one one, play a man at work, play a five five mm-hmm. on turn three. Play a brick wall. And you're just like, Oh, I guess I can't attack ever. Yeah. So that is uh, difficult. Yeah, so I think that White is in a bad spot and I don't know how they fix it. And I think it's they need to have give White away to draw cards.
1: Yeah, or at least even if they're not gonna give White away to draw cards, they need to find a way to and I think we had talked a little bit, you know, last week or the week before about doing an episode on this anyway, but they need to find a way to change the value of a white card.
0: Yeah. You know, I think the problem is, is like,
1: like, uh, was it Loxodon, whatever? Yeah. Venerated Loxodon. Venerated Loxodon oh, there was, and that was one of the best white cards that's been printed recently. Like as far as like mono white cards go, right? Yeah. That was a way to change the value of your white cards. You could play a whole bunch of bad, small creatures and make them good by playing this other card. And that's... I know it's not strictly card draw because it doesn't work the way that, like, the rest of card draw works, where it mm-hmm. lets you find more gas, but it's a way to let you change what the cards you already have are worth.
0: Yeah, turning a 1-mana one 1-1 one, one into a 1-mana 2-2. Two, two.
1: Or turning two two mana two twos into two two mana three threes yeah
0: by just yeah. giving them like that makes them
1: effectively a card and a half each
0: yeah makes them more than what they were before yeah but like we just don't have that like there's like yeah. i would worry that the way that you would make white better is like mm-hmm. trying to lean into the like white is aggressive mm-hmm. so now we have to make under costed beaters in white oh well, but that's green <laughs> <laughs> but like you you, yeah. you make a lot of like one mana two threes right and one mana two twos yeah that have like upside mm-hmm. or in like you know two mana three threes
1: well right but so you don't print just two mana three three but you print like two mana two two that on turn six if it's still in play becomes a three three or a four four yeah you know what i mean it's a way to make that card more than just a card
0: yeah that was also a green store form hybrid that's true only saw playing yeah.
1: in limited, but still. Well, right, but uh, what was the other one?
0: A Sylvan Advocate when no. you hit your land.
1: Um, the one that lets you tutor up more of them. Oh, like, the clan collar. No, the claw guy, the adept guy that lets you go get another one. Oh, uh,
0: oh gosh. Uh, yeah, brand, uh, guardian. Growth yeah a, guardian Growth Chamber Guardian. Growth
1: Chamber Guardian. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the claw. <laughs> the claw guy. You know. You know who I was talking about. <laughs>
0: Yeah, you got to give them the clamps. we, we <laughs> have teach you right, <laughs> Uh But yeah, so like, yeah, white's just been in a bad spot. Like, I just yeah. don't think they know what to do with their color pie. Yeah. With think, their color identity.
1: I don't know how closely you follow Morrow's blog or if you do at no. all. But I know at one point in 2019, he had teased something new for white to do in the color pie. And I don't think it's... I could be wrong, but I don't think it's been done yet. So maybe okay. we'll see whatever he's talking about. So I mean, currently
0: and, it's just like sit in your trade binder and be untradeable. Basically, yeah. All right, so next up. Yep. Uh, this is at Man 1980 Oh. Apparently 1980 was taken. I <laughs> uh, had two questions. Yep. So he's like, he likes playing Brawl, but struggling with deck building in a singleton format. Okay. Do you have any helpful hints uh, for like land card... Land count and commander choice.
1: Okay. So Do you have any hints?
0: So one is I'm gonna I'll tweet an article at you, I'll put it in the in the description. One is play more lands. I think that Brawl is probably a minimum twenty-six land format, maybe closer to twenty seven, twenty
1: eight. Yeah, when you're playing singleton, you don't have the redundancy that you do when you're playing normal constructed. So you kinda have to stretch your curve a little bit just to get playables. And that tends to lead to a longer game in general.
0: And uh, in this article, they point out that every hand you draw is an eight-card hand. Right. Because you have your commander. Mm -hmm. And so where in normal constructed, three lands and four spells is fine, Mm -hmm. right? Three lands and five spells... Is less fine. Is less fine. And so you might be more willing to you may want to have a five land two spell hand Mm -hmm. because you know you have your third spell in your
1: commander yeah waiting in the wings. And a lot of the best commanders have some sort of activated ability anyway. So Or
0: they draw you cards or something to get you there. I think that you also want to look for uh ways to like generate value. Mm -hmm. Like aggressive decks can happen in Brawl and in commander, but Mm -hmm. for the most part they're like grindier value oriented formats
1: or combo yeah
0: yeah i think in brawl they're more value oriented there's not a lot of combo stuff going on so like just like i played chulain because like Mm -hmm. you could just every card you played could just say draw a card on it Mm -hmm. and just like one all your cards said draw a card on it right two your commander said
1: play creatures draw a card so i built a chulain commander deck Mm -hmm. boy is that a blast yeah that is your kind of magic
0: yeah, you're just going to get more and more and more value. Yeah. So having more lands is going to let you play multiple spells a turn, which is yep. then going to let you draw more cards. Yep. And so you having just a way to see more cards is going to oftentimes give you an advantage over someone. Mm. Also, like, so there's End Race Forerunners and Current Standard and in brawl. Mm-hmm. That's a way to turn, like, your Elvis Visionary and your Thibble Thip and, like, yeah. Your other like mana dorks and other things that you use to get ahead. Right. And just actually make it so they can like kill someone. Yeah. So Same they with do like something. finale of devastation. Mm hmm. Is that the right one? That's the green one. Yep, yep. That's the green one. Right. That lets you turn all of your dorky creatures into 10 tens. Yep. And lets you get through. I'm also, I put together, I found it online. It's it, it was a rough list. I'm still working on it. Golos. Okay. Just like a Golos like planeswalker. Mm hmm. Kind of deck five colors, mm-hmm. but again, it was just playing a bunch of stuff and just trying to activate Golos as yeah. much as you could to just play Planeswalkers, you know, yes, yeah. Liliana, play like seven mana, play a Liliana and a Garrick, yeah, Yay. yeah, like you're gonna lock. win that game, yeah. I think just trying to one get value kind of at every turn, mm-hmm. and then two. Like there are enough creatures that do either the same thing, or very similar, or very similar, that you can build in some of that redundancy
1: to a certain extent. If yeah. you're
0: able, so you're you know your deck's going to do like I, I need a ramp creature and a mm-hmm. way to draw cards. While well, there's a million two mana ramp creatures in right. standard, there's a bunch of creatures that come into play and draw a card, mm-hmm. right? Like you can have Thibble Thip, Elvish Visionary, Cloud Kinsey, or Tome Raider. Yeah. And Risen Rave. Mm-hmm. Right? There's this five right there that are gonna get you some value when they come in that are gonna help get you to lane, and yeah. then give you a way to to get value there. And I think also like look at your commander and well, figure out. That was
1: the that was the other part of that first question was how do you pick your commander? Like how how do you pick your commander? And then I'll tell you how I pick my commander and then, then we'll talk about it for a minute.
0: So for Brawl, it was like mm-hmm. well, lane seems like it's going to generate a bunch of value, right? And that's
1: what you want to be doing. Yes. We just talked about that.
0: And like for
1: Golos, same thing with Golos, he just generates value. And we and,
0: just, and I got I got also like if I play against someone, I get like totally smushed. I might yeah. be like, okay, maybe I need to like evaluate this.
1: Yeah, that's the spike in you coming out, right? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Also, like I have I have issues with planeswalkers as like your brawl commander because like yeah. you just always have the mini game of like I can't let this yeah hang around though if you steal someone's commander with agent <laughs> of treachery, you steal the blue white players uh, Teferi, and then oh, they yeah, can't that's pretty good. then they can't play any uh <laughs> they can't play any counter spells and you feel real smart. But yeah, so it's more what's going to give me value mm-hmm. and then like kind of exploring things that like smush me. Yeah. And I think just like looking at the type of game that the commander encourages mm-hmm. and that's do I one. enjoy that kind of game? Like Yeah. You're going to play Corvold at some point, maybe, because that's the kind of game you want to play.
1: Oh, that's 100% the Brawl deck I have together, and it's in pieces as a commander deck in front of me.
0: Yeah, but that's you yeah. want to play that style of deck.
1: Yep. And that I is think, my kind of magic.
0: Yeah, and I think that is Yep. something. Again, I look at Golos as being unfair.
1: Mm-hmm. It is unfair. That is. Yep, that's you. A plus times. <laughs> So yeah, that, that's definitely a part of what how I pick a commander, either for commander or for brawl, is you know looking at what the commander does and how it's going to affect your game plan. If there's a unique interaction that I enjoy and I want to build around, sometimes I'll pick a commander that steers me in that direction. Like I have uh, one of my commander decks is Zantcha, because that's a super unique, weird card that kind of leads to some shenanigans. I have no idea what that is, but... Uh, So Zantia is one black-red for a 5-5. Okay. And when you play it, you have to give it to an opponent. Okay. It can't be in play under your control. So you give it to your opponent, and then it has to attack every turn, but can't attack you. Okay. And it has a static-activated ability that's three-mana draw a card, Zantia's controller loses two life, and any player can activate that ability okay so it kind of leads to some weird games you give it to you know give it to an aggressive deck and let them beat down with it for a little while and then you build up a bunch of mana and you can drain them for a bunch hopefully the other players are you know activating draining for a little bit it's just kind of a unique card that leads to some weird gameplay so that's that's one thing that i do is look to like what the what the commander is going to do and how it's going to shape my deck sometimes i just look for color combinations that i like too sometimes that's plenty to inform my decision of what I want to play. Like I'm probably never going to build a Teferi brawl deck. No. Because I don't particularly care for islands or planes. Yeah. Even I, though like is a great card and it's super powerful and you can absolutely build a te- Teferi control deck, that's not the kind of magic I want to play. No.
0: The ill-fated format of Tiny Leaders. Mm-hmm. I was playing Sultai when there was no Sultai so Tiny Leader. Generic Sultai. Yeah, it was just Sultai color 22. <laughs> yeah. And the, and I was doing that because it let me play basically dredge. Right. And so it's like, I don't need a commander. I just mm-hmm. need to like flip things over. Yeah. And so that's another thing where it's like, I wanted to play a certain style of deck mm-hmm. and commander didn't matter. Didn't really matter I just needed yeah. a commander that facilitated that color combination.
1: Yep. Yeah, and a lot of times that's all that matters. Like, there are certainly commander decks that don't ever plan on casting their commander. And there's also commander decks that don't have their commander in the command zone. They're called, like, hidden commanders, where you'll have, you know, a commander that's known for one combo in your command zone, but then have your real commander actually in the 99 and, you know, a way to tutor it out and get it into play, and then your deck functions. It's kind of a weird... That is super weird. Yeah. Seems like switcheroo. Going going super deep on your uh... yeah. Eh, EDH players are weird, man. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so I could draw this card every single turn, every single game with no work. You could. You could. Or I could hide it and have to like jump through hoops to get it. Yeah. You could do that. Yeah. i want to do that. that. <laughs> <laughs> so think about what's gonna like make you happy. What kind of games you want to play? Mm-hmm. And then I think just try to maximize like value. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like, I do think they're like, I have lost to aggressive brawl decks because mm-hmm. I'm trying to like play stuff and then play like eight drops. Right. And they're just like one drop, two drop tagic. Yeah. And you're like, oops. Huh, okay, I guess I'm dead now. <laughs> yeah.
1: I guess true lanes not coming down.
0: No. So the other thing is, do you guys enjoy other tabletop games such as D and D? I have played, Zero games of D&D in my life Okay My wife and I have a closet full of various board games That we don't get to play very much Yep We do play this game It's called Takaido Okay And it is uh, You're taking a journey through feudal Japan And you just You move along And you can stop and do different things Mm -hmm. It's a lot of fun It's also a very pretty game Mm -hmm. Uh, I have two versions of it Because I bought a version for my wife And then she was sad that none of the pieces were painted Oh and there were some missing because we, we didn't get the Kickstarter version, uh, so I had to go deep on uh, <laughs> eBay, and I found someone who had dropped their box, and yeah. the in the corner of the box was slightly scrunched. There you so go. So instead of being six hundred dollars, it was two hundred dollars. Perfect. So got all the pieces, and they're all painted, and she's much happier. Yeah. But uh, we haven't figured out all the different. It comes with like all four expansion packs. Yeah. We know the base level game. <laughs> we haven't figured It'll out all the expansion packs yet. yet. We have a lot of the, I think I have all the games from uh, Matthew Enman, The Oatmeal. Okay. So we have uh, Exploding, Exploding Kittens. Kittens, Bears vs. Babies, and uh, I guess we don't have the burrito one where you throw the burrito. We don't have that okay. one yet. Wasn't there like a unicorn one? I don't know I about the unicorn one. I think there's a one. unicorn one too. So I know I did I did the Kickstarter for Exploding Kittens and yeah. Bears vs. Babies. So you got the, the box that meows?
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: There's that my brother is into D and D and his Christmas present was a bunch of minis to paint. <laughs> and he just sent me a picture during the podcast of various painted minis that I got him.
1: Fantastic. Yes. Any other games you wanted to talk about or is that no, a, video pretty games, much cover it? Video games have kinda of gone away. I don't get to well, play I this mean, very often. Video games aren't tabletop either, so we're not yeah. gonna talk about
0: them. But this is the only games I play. So.
1: Okay. Before I get into my tabletop gaming experience, i am go going on people. I'm going to recommend a game for you. Okay. The Harry Potter Deck Builder okay, is absolutely fantastic. Okay. And I know you guys are Harry Potter nerds. Mm-hmm. It's just as much fun two-player as it is more than two-player. Okay. So you guys could just play it together. And it has a pretty high ramp up in the difficulty, so you can play it for a very long time. Gotcha. Um, my sister and her husband bought it like two years ago for Christmas, and I think they just beat it. Okay. So that's okay. a good one. You guys should check it out. Well, I we think, will then. I think they have a copy to try out at the store too if you want okay. to just try it. If you hadn't guessed, I play more tabletop stuff than most Magic players, I would assume. I'm not super big into D&D, but D&D is how I got into Magic. Um, I went to... Twilight Booking Game in Syracuse to buy my player's handbook, because one of my friends had just gotten into D&D and was showing me, and I had a lot of fun playing with them, but when I went to go buy my player's handbook, there were two guys playing Magic in the corner. Mm. And I said, oh, that looks like fun. Let me get some of that. So I ended up with a couple revised starters instead of, instead of D&D books. Okay. So not too much d and I don't really enjoy painting. I'm not anywhere near artistic enough. I know that's not like a huge part of D and D, but it is to some extent. The D players like to paint. I am also not into Warhammer or any of those because the idea of painting an army is absolutely terrifying to me, and I know I would never get it done. My armies would all just be the albinos. Yeah, <laughs> sprayed white, all done. All done. I do play a bunch of board games. I play Zombicide every Tuesday with my good friend Anthony, the owner of our local game store. We do that, we've do we done that every Tuesday for three years, I think, all the different versions of Zombicide. Um, that's a lot of fun. If you guys haven't checked that game out, that one's really good. I played Gloomhaven for quite a while. There is so much content in that giant box that we played for like 30 weeks straight, and I think we we're only a quarter of the way through the game. Uh, That game's a ton of fun, kind of expensive. The uh, setup and Teardown is kind of extensive, but game's a blast. There's all sorts of games that I like to play. I could talk about this for like a whole episode. Yeah. My wife likes simpler games, like stuff that isn't super deep. Like the games that I tend to play are super deep. But uh, she really likes Carcassonne, which is a board game where you kind of build the board as you go. Okay. I, I guess they call it like a tile placement game. You pick random tiles and put them out and... You get game. score based on how you build it, whatever. That game's pretty fun. She likes Ticket to Ride a lot. Okay. I play Ticket to Ride pretty frequently. I'm trying to think what else I play. There's a new game that just came out. I guess it didn't just came out, but just got popular again. They released a second season called Dice Throne. Okay. It's kinda like Battle Yahtzee. Okay. Where you're playing Yahtzee, but like when you're done taking your Yahtzee turn, you have like a character card in front of you and you can like pick abilities on your card based on like what you rolled for your turn. Okay. That game's pretty cool.
0: I guess I should throw in, we've played uh, Forbidden Desert. Okay. That game's really fun. Mm -hmm. It's co-op versus the game. Mm -hmm. There's also Forbidden Island and Forbidden Sky. Forbidden Desert is the best out of the three. If you're going to be forbidden anywhere, be forbidden (laughs) in the desert. It's the best. So there's like piles of cards and like there's a storm and, like, it blows sand on tiles, and you have to move the sand, and then mm-hmm. you have to collect pieces from the different tiles. Mm-hmm. And then there's another game that my wife was at a board game night, and if you can find it, more power to you, it's called Sud. Okay, never heard it's, of that one. It's uh, the waiting in line game. You're basically a merchant. Yeah. And you have little meeples. Mm-hmm. Uh, I learned the term. There you go. And you, like... And there, you like flip down res- uh, cards that are different resources, mm-hmm. and you line up your meeple. Mm-hmm. Each player lines up their meeple to bid on the thing. Okay, and then you're trying to collect certain things to like you know get achievement points. Mm-hmm. But that game might be out of print. Like yeah. I had to like buy the like demo version from the shop mm-hmm. because we couldn't was find had. it. That was all. There, that was all there was anywhere. Yeah. But she really likes that game.
1: Yep. There is a, one more that my wife really likes that I believe is also out of print. It's called Who Killed Dr. Lucky. Okay. Um it's basically reverse clue. So instead of walking around trying to figure out who did it where with what weapon, you're trying to kill the dude and you get like different weapons that are worth different points if you're in like the different rooms. So okay. like if you if you kill him with the pool cue in the billiards room, like, it's, hard, it's easier for you to kill him than if you were trying to kill him with a shovel in the pool. Gotcha. But you got to make sure, like, he has a set path that he walks around the board, and you got to make sure that nobody else can see you. Okay. So you got to be, like, in the room with him, like, as you're taking your turn with nobody seeing you before you can try to kill him. Okay. That, one, that one's a lot of fun, too.
2: So
0: there you go.
1: Deep dive into tabletop. Deep
0: dive into tabletop. So you have Jason Kish. Mm-hmm. This, what's the best way to build up a paper collection? Is it worth buying booster boxes? Okay. My first response to him was my natural inclination is to just answer this question, but I will <laughs> save it for the episode. So we've did, uh, I guess, episodes nine and 10. Yep. We're kind of about this topic. Mm-hmm. I think that
1: probably also something that we can revisit and do another episode on.
0: Yeah. I think, though, it comes down to kind of like what your goals are. Mm hmm. For the most part it's usually better to buy singles. Yes. Because almost you, all of the time. You know exactly what you're going to get. Most standard rares mm-hmm. uh for the most part are they top out usually around like $5 to $10.
1: For really expensive ones. For really expensive rares. Yeah.
0: The vast majority of them are like 75 cents right. or 50 cents or a quarter. Mm-hmm. Right. So opening a $3 pa- or $4 pack and pulling getting a 50 75 cent
1: rare. Yeah.
0: Like doesn't work, right? Right. I open packs mm-hmm. usually at the beginning of standard mm-hmm. of, a, of a new set to try to get all my commons and uncommons, mm-hmm. and to hope hope to like you know the lottery aspect of spiking right. a card, right? Right. But for, for opening the,
1: a cool foil or something, yeah.
0: But for the most part, it's better to like just buy singles yeah. if you're like I want to make such and such deck. Mm-hmm. Right, if you wanted to make Red Black Sacrifice, mm-hmm. right, it makes more sense to just buy priest, four Priests of Forgotten Gods right. than to buy a bunch of packs in hopes of opening one
1: well, or opening I, four. I mean, it also makes more sense just to buy, like, even don't talk about the rares. It makes more sense to buy four Mayhem Devils than it does to open packs. Who, who knows how many packs you're going to have to open to get four Mayhem Devils, and that's only an uncommon.
0: There are definitely times where, like, I usually get two boxes a set mm-hmm. that I've opened two boxes and had two of it uncommon. Oh, yeah. It happens all the time. And you're just like, huh. Yep.
1: I hope I didn't need that one. The mythic uncommon.
0: Yeah. So, for the most part, just buying singles, Yep. I do like just having cards mm-hmm. that if I'm like, oh, this uncommon went from being a quarter to being $2, I have seven of them yeah, so I can get, get off them. of it and make a little bit. But for the most part, if you just want to, you know, get into decks or whatever, Mm -hmm. just getting the singles is better. Yeah.
1: One thing that I will add to that is his question is specifically phrased, what's the best way to build up a paper collection? Yes. What you said is 100% correct. If you're looking to build constructed decks, I would absolutely recommend buying singles from TCG Player. Yes. Following our affiliate link. Mm Mm-hmm. But also, the best way to build your paper collection is probably to draft. Yeah. Um, if you d- draft for you know ten weeks for FNM instead of playing constructed, at the end of ten weeks, you're going to have a pretty solid collection of yeah that of set. that set. So
0: you probably have play sets of all the
1: good uncommons. Yeah, and all then, the good commons. Yeah, especially like if you know what kind of player you are, you know what kind of archetypes you like. You can kind of draft towards that stuff. Like, if you're not going to play Islands, you don't have to open any blue cards. You don't have to take any blue cards, yeah.
0: Or you can, you know, when you get down to the last five cards, six cards in a pack, where they're probably not going to impact your draft deck, Yeah, you can just take the card that you're like, oh, I need this for yeah, Constructing. I need
1: one of these. Yeah. Yep. I need my fourth Witch's Oven.
0: Yeah, so that kind of thing uh, works as well. Yep. All right. So this is from Jamie uh, Gordon, Gorton mm-hmm. on Twitter. So psychological coping strategies for when the most fun deck isn't the best deck. Ramp, ramp. I think it's setting up what your goals are. Right. Right. I have definitely played decks that I'm like, I know this isn't good, mm-hmm. but I want to do I wanted to do this thing and yep. kind of taking the joy from doing <laughs> that thing, even if you go one three, you got to do the thing twice. Yeah.
1: So I registered mono blue Psy... Etherflux Reservoir for an RPTQ.
0: That deck was decent. That deck was okay. I mean, I definitely played that deck in in a GP. It, it was okay. I think i went five three. It was
1: okay. Yeah, it wasn't great. It wasn't it was red-black. not the best deck. It
0: was not red black. <laughs> it was reasonable, but not the best deck. Yeah, I think it's just kind of tempering your expectations. Yeah. Right now, I would lean more towards the best deck if I was going to like drive somewhere. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't, I registered that deck of, I think I registered the blue red version. So I had a yeah. uh, joy Yeah. But I didn't register it cause I didn't think it, I, I wasn't like this can't win. Right. It's like, no, with some, with some good pairings, luck, I can totally win this match. Yeah. I can totally like win matches. Right. Uh, but I have like, <laughs> I remember I built a deck with Anthony and, uh, I was gonna, it was like fun. And mm-hmm. I went to like, when we had standard showdowns Yeah, and there were like 30 people. And I was like, nope, playing mono red. (laughs) Just like pulled mono red out. I said, nope, there are too many people here for me to like screw around with this. Yeah, Like if there had been like eight people, I'd have been like, eh, I can like cobble something together. But I was like, no, there's 30. Like, nope, we're going to actually
1: play a real deck. I think what you had said to start was you basically hit the nail on the head. It's setting your expectations because the most fun deck is almost never the best deck you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, whatever your janky stuff you're going to do that you're going to have fun with probably isn't going to win the GP this weekend. Yeah. Um, those are probably two different things. So, you need to kind of pick what's important to you. And if what's important to you is having fun, then the most fun deck is the best deck.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think that I've told the story before. I've heard people at, like, the, like, 07 table. Mm-hmm like go like oh my god i did it yeah as they like mill someone out with sphinx's was it insight the the like mill two cards and if they share tutelage sphinx's tutelage tutelage. and like playing like a bunch of zero mana equipment and like sigh yeah and just like milled someone out (laughs) he was so excited and like you know i would have been a miserable human being at the 07
1: table yeah so i played in a modern double up against seismic swans now i can tell you 100 percent that was not the best deck
0: but he had fun they had fun right
1: he had fun yeah
0: yeah so i think it's just kind of picking mm-hmm. what's important to you right if the important thing to you is winning like right. then you got to pick the best deck if the important thing is having fun or like seeing if you can make your fun deck better so you've got to play it yeah you know, you can do that as like that's fine too yep
1: all about expectations
0: all right, so here we go.
1: Question two. Question two. How would you structure a contest between the broken most standard decks across time? Now, this question is kind of loaded because they
0: were broken standard decks from times I didn't play.
1: Well, they also give a bunch of standard decks and then yeah. throw a random modern deck in the middle. Yes, they do. Okay, so we have Affinity Skull Clamp versus Talarian Academy. Combo winner. Yeah. Versus Eldrazi winner, not a standard deck. Yeah. And my thought was, if you're including Eldrazi winner, you have to include Hogak, right? Yeah. Versus Oktober.
0: Yes. I think, like, like even the most broken, like, there's the most broken standard decks, and there's, like, the most kind of dominant decks. Yeah. Because I think, like, even Cobblade. though I didn't play Cobblade, is yeah. like, the quintessential, like, everyone played Cobblade, and they had to ban all the cards out of Cobblade. Right and then led to Jace being banned in modern yeah. for years because they are like, we can't let this happen again. Same with like fairies. Right. Right? They were like, wow, Bitter Blossom's too good. We can't let fairies be a modern deck. Unplayable. Yes. Unplayable now.
1: Yeah.
0: I don't know how you would set up a contest. Yeah, I don't than, know how you would either. You other don't... than doing like, you've seen the videos where they do like the no ban list like modern decks and they just play a bunch of yeah. matches against them.
1: I think that's a different thing though. Like no ban list moderns different from, like everybody picks a time period and plays a standard deck from that time period.
0: Yeah, I mean, I've I think I've seen that as well. Yeah, well, like where they just are like we're gonna play this deck against this deck. Yeah, and we'll see like you know like oh is Splinter Twin Twin too good if there's right Eldrazi and they played a bunch of Eldrazi versus Twin.
1: I mean, you'd almost have to do it like best of one, though, right? Because the sideboards almost assuredly aren't going to be tuned against each other.
0: Yeah, it would be too hard to yeah. make it work. I mean, even like Jund, like right, Deathrite yeah. Shaman Death Jund, Jund in in Standard, like that yeah. was like the deck yeah. was Jund for yeah. a while.
1: Maybe what I would do is pick all the decks that you want to see, stuff like Affinity, you know, Combo Winner, Oko, um maybe i'm trying to think of what else was really good Ra- again, rally was pr- pretty rally, good. rally we uh, coblade yeah coblade
0: like rtr jund yeah mono black devotion maybe that was pretty good then there's a blue white control from that oh yeah, as yeah well.
1: Zorius control the elixir
0: immortality control yeah that yeah. was pretty good and then i guess like some flavor of Abzan from like the cons era. Like, I don't know if that's on the same level as yeah. I don't up. think it
1: is, but I would take all the decks that you think are super broken and like randomly draw them, like put them in a hat and draw your matchups out. And like I said, maybe just play best of ones or don't play sideboarded games at least and see what happens. It might be fun.
0: Yeah. I, I think if you were just looking at all these decks now, I can't say that I know like, you know, I don't know enough about affinity in mm-hmm. the skull clamp decks and like the Urza combo winner stuff like I've heard talk of it but I do not know what was going on. I think like there was necropotence involved. Yeah. The blue green food deck mm-hmm. is a fine pi- was a fine pioneer deck until they banned cards out of it. Right. And I don't know if you saw the definitive list of the best planeswalkers of all time that LSV posted. Is uh, Oko right up there? number one number one Yeah. number two is jace yeah number three is Ren and six okay number four he had narset but he's like maybe it's skewed because it just broke vintage yeah and then number five was the fairy time reveler wow he was like four of my the girl five, not even making the list he's like four of the five on that list are from 2019 yeah he's like i have 11 years of Planeswalker to choose from <laughs> and four out of the five yeah are 2019 so I think that, like, the food deck probably stacks up pretty well against the yeah. I mean, if you think about these. it, the
1: food deck has great answers to anything any of the other decks are doing anyways.
0: Yeah.
1: I mean, in, like, you know... Making something an elk is a great way to shut it off.
0: Yeah, I mean, even, like, the combo decks. Like, yeah. if there was, like, the side... If you played sideboarder games, like, yeah. it had negates, it had... Right disdainful strokes like yeah. so like the big mana you got from talarian academy just got negated or disdainful stroked and you're like right. oh, okay problem solved mm-hmm. so i think that like you know just power creep and like everything like you know the Ogo deck probably stacks up pretty well against like a lot of these i think it like i would think so you know i think it's way better than like red black which was the dominant yeah. like deck and i think it's way better than um abzan yeah right like cool siege rhino can we gain three life you have a three three down. yeah <laughs>
1: it's a cute three three
0: yeah and i'm gonna eat it with something like right so yeah I, I i thought of this question as like which deck was more like busted or more as opposed to like how would you like oh okay fight them well, uh, i mean it says how
1: would you structure it
0: yeah but I was, I was thinking like food might be the most kind of like busted yeah. of the it bunch. No, I mean,
1: I mean it, they mentioned Eldrazi winner. So if you throw, you know, the modern mono red Eldrazi deck and I would argue if you're putting that in, Hogak goes in there too. Yeah. Like that's a whole different ball game. Those are yeah, way I, different decks. Yeah, I like, think. Like Hogak will absolutely kill an Oko. Oh yeah, like no problem.
0: <laughs> but I think that. Uh, if you look at like the modern decks, like those are the probably the two most dominant modern decks of the last four or five years.
1: Yeah, I mean when they do no ban list modern, like Aldrasi wins. wins.
0: Like yeah, you uh, I'm gonna play twin. Cool, here's yeah. a four four that eats your uh, splinter twin. Yeah. Good good luck. Now yeah. here's a five five hasty guy. <laughs> yeah. Good luck. Uh, do you have a remand? No. No, no. no. I have I have a cavernous soul, <laughs> so it doesn't matter. You can't counter it and return it to my hand. Right. So, and like even now, like I think that, you know, in modern, if, like you said, if Eldrazi was legal, it would be the best deck and like yeah. Urza would just get
1: stomped. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no contest.
0: Yeah. Now, here's this next one. Here's here's our our two ends of the spectrum. Yeah. We're good here. What is meant by a fair deck and what is the opposite of a fair deck, right? Okay. That's the unfair deck. Right. And why would anyone choose to the, uh, play <laughs> the fair deck when the unfair deck was there? <laughs>
1: So are you gonna chime in or is this just my question? I think I think I can chime in on the unfair deck part of it part of it. Okay, so first is what's a fair deck? Okay. A fair deck plays magic the way Richard Garfield intended it to be played.
0: Yeah, so whenever you hear someone say magic as Richard Garfield intended it, that's yeah. usually like
1: It's usually uh, sarcastic.
0: Yeah, because it's like, yeah, someone's doing something completely totally ridiculous. Yeah.
1: So if you think about magic how it was explained to you when you played your first game that's basically what a fair deck is trying to do.
0: You play a land each turn. Yep. You play spells that are equal to or mm-hmm. less than the number of lands you have in play. Right. Because that, like, scales the power level. Like, right. a one mana thing is typically less powerful than a two mana thing. Right. So on and so forth. Yep. So, fair magic, they're trying to play one land a turn. Yep.
1: Play spells. Like you're supposed to? Well, you're playing creatures. You're playing spells that interact with your opponent and their creatures. And you're just playing normal, basic magic.
0: You're attacking. You're blocking. Yep. You're using all the parts of the buffalo. Correct.
1: So the opposite of a fair deck.
0: Is an unfair deck. Yep. Unfair decks, you're trying to break a fundamental rule of magic.
1: There's a whole bunch of them that unfair decks break in different ways but yes
0: typically you're trying to break either the mana restriction mm-hmm. on how big of a spell you can either play or put into or a creature or permanent you can put into play mm-hmm. or you're trying to break the number of cards you're allowed to draw in a turn because right right typically you get one card a turn right right And then, if you can kind of do both, where you can kind of untether yourself from the amount of mana you get in a turn, like so, the amount of lands you play doesn't matter because you're going to have some way to get more mana. Right. And then you're also find some way to get as many cards as you possibly can. Right. Right. Then you've broken, then now you're playing an unfair game. So, like Mm -hmm. Storm and Legacy Mm -hmm. or Storm and Modern, they're trying to play a whole bunch of spells that generate mana. And cards or both, Mm -hmm. so they can cast a whole bunch of spells and kill you. Right. Reanimator is trying to pay one mana
1: for an eight mana spell.
0: For an eight mana spell. Yep. And then that eight mana spell also says pay seven life, draw seven cards. Right. Usually, like for like reanimator decks or like show and tell, you're usually trading cards to be able to do. That unfair thing. Yep. So in a reanimator deck, you have to spend one card usually to discard the thing that you want to reanimate or get it in your graveyard. Yep. And then you have to then spend another card to get that thing into play. Right.
1: So you spent... Three cards to get one in play.
0: Yeah. But that one is so far above rate, Mm -hmm. you're doing something unfair. Yep. Right. Show and tell, you're trying to you have to get a certain set of cards in your hand so you can pay three mana Mm -hmm. to play a 15-mana spell. Mm -hmm. And now that's unfair because you were supposed to have to get to 15 15 lands to be able to play that 15-mana spell, and you just had to get to sometimes two lands to play that 15-mana spell. Those are like unfair decks where Mm -hmm. you're trying to
1: just break a fundamental rule of magic uh, i'm also gonna i know this is one yeah. of your decks i'm surprised you didn't bring it up but dredge, dredge as i was gonna get yeah. yeah dredge is absolutely an unfair deck because basically you're throwing mana cost out the window because you're not paying mana for your prized amalgams narc amoebas, whatever and you're throwing your one card per turn out the window because you're dredging you're putting five cards in your graveyard a turn that all might as well be in your hand.
0: Yeah. So you're starting to you're starting to play the game out of your graveyard. Right. And you're relying on triggers as mm-hmm. opposed to having to actually tap mana and cast spells. You can in Legacy there's a deck it's not great. It's right. called Mana List Dredge. Yep, no lands. It plays no lands. It always draws first because it needs to put a dredge card in the graveyard. Yep. And then it just goes from there. Mm-hmm. And so it has no way to cast spells. It just relies on the dredge mechanic and triggered abilities yeah. to make things happen. So those are the unfair decks—decks decks mm-hmm. that are trying to break some fundamental
1: rule of magic. All right. So why wouldn't a rational player always prefer to play a deck that had an unfair advantage? Uh, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I,
0: I think it's—I think it's a question of like play style. There is That's part of it. There is, for a lot of these uh, unfair decks, there is a combo element to them. Mm-hmm. and so most, I would argue that most of them have a yeah. combo element. So you've got to put together A and B and sometimes C. Mm-hmm. So you may hear the term glass cannon. Right. Where if you're able to put those together, the deck does something, but it might be fragile. If there's any kind of interaction that breaks up mm-hmm. A, B, and C... A plus B doesn't do anything, right. you need the other piece. Or A and C don't do anything, you need B. Mm-hmm. And so if that gets broken up, your deck doesn't do anything. Right. And there's a lot of times that you can lose to yourself mm-hmm. because you just don't have all the pieces come together. Right. So in older formats, usually the decks are more redundant because they just have more cards to pull from to get like similar effects. Yeah. So, like, uh, show and tell or sneak and show in Legacy is just all cards that draw cards. Right. And then you're, like, 12 combo pieces or 16 right. combo pieces. The couple pieces you're trying to yeah. piece together. There are there's like, this deck is 18 lands, 20 ways to dig for things, and then the few things that you need are 30 ways to dig for things yeah. and the things that you need. And that's it. hmm in standard, or standard is harder. Yeah. Because there are less ways to dig.
1: And they also tend to not put well, combos. Oh, I shouldn't say that. To yes, put combos they, in, they try to not put combos into standard. Yeah. Doesn't always work that way, but.
0: Yeah, but like in the bigger formats, you usually have more redundancy. Mm-hmm. So with like, uh, I would say that like uh, depths is an unfair deck because i because yes. you're gonna put a twenty twenty into play on turn two. Right. And. Like, do you have an answer? Yes Mm -hmm. or no? And if the answer is no, the game just ends. Yep. But there's a lot of redundancy on ways to get the lands and ways to Mm -hmm. get the combo pieces that you need. Yep. So the deck is consistent because there's just, you know, the deck's got twelve ways to look for a land, Mm -hmm. and then eight ways to turn that land into a twenty twenty. So you have a lot of a lot of different pieces. A lot of different pieces you can put together.
1: Yep. I would say part of it is play style some people don't like combo decks yes some people like to interact it just depends what kind of deck you like to play that kind of goes hand in hand with one of the previous questions about you know playing a fun deck versus the best deck if the best deck is you know hard blue draw go control i don't care if it's the best deck i'm not going to play it yeah i'll find whatever the best mid-range deck is and play that but I'm not going to play Drago Control. Yeah. And this is kind of the same way. If you're hard not a combo player, you don't want to solve the puzzle every, you know, every turn. You want to interact with your opponent and make decisions and be rewarded for little edges, then you're not going to play an unfair deck because that's not the kind of magic you like.
0: Yeah, so you mentioned, like, solving the puzzle. Yeah. I always think that playing a combo deck, like, Depths, is you're always always building towards something. Mm Mm-hmm. And you're working towards that. And so you're trying to steer the game towards that thing. Like with a mid range deck, you're trying to steer the game to a point, but you have to, like, you're kind of adjusting what that point is. Yeah. Right. In a combo deck, you know where you're trying to get. Right. And you're just trying to move the game there. Mm -hmm. So I think, like, I enjoy that where, like, I know what I have to do. Yeah. And so on some level, It lets me, like, you know, we don't get to play Legacy. Hardly ever. uh, Hardly ever. But when I pick up Depths, I know where I'm trying to get the game. Yeah. And if I have a sense of what you're doing, you know, I know how to get there. Yeah. Right? But I think it's harder to, like, if you don't play Legacy a lot, to play a Delver deck where every 50-50 decision, they're trying to make it 51-49. Right. And they're hoping that they can add all those two percentage points up to a win. Right. Right, like in combo decks a lot of times your decisions are like, you know, if you add them together, you get to a hundred mm-hmm. now. Right. As opposed to I got to a hundred for my win rate over a hundred decisions. It's like yeah. I made four decisions. Yeah. They were twenty five percent apiece. <laughs> I made them correctly. Yeah. And now I'm now I got to where I need to go. Yeah. Right. So that's that's part of why I like it is like solving the puzzle slash knowing what the puzzle is. Yep. Right as opposed to like oh they're doing this I don't know like this puzzle's totally different now it's like no yeah. I'm still trying to do this one thing mm-hmm. and we're going to do that one thing.
1: Yeah like I'm going to go off on a little rant here but um, I told you at the very beginning of this episode that I'm a car guy I work on cars. Yeah. I'm a shop foreman I do a lot of diagnostic work uh, stuff that other people can't do or won't do um, that's kind of how I earn my paycheck, and I think that's one of the reasons I like Magic so much. Is because the same skill set that I get to use at work in diagnosing problems, I use while I'm playing my game. You know, I have a tool, giant toolbox full of tools at work that I use mm-hmm. to diagnose and repair cars, and I have a seventy-five card deck when I play Magic that I can diagnose a situation pick out the right tool to fix it and make the game. You know what I mean? And I know a couple people that have similar feelings about the game where it's, you know, they're people that are technical in the way their mind works, and that's what they like out of this game. I think those kind of people probably aren't going to play, you know, unfair combo decks. You know, I'm not saying they're not fun. I've played Dredge before and had a blast. I, Obviously, we did two or three episodes about playing 2020s and legacy and yes. i had a blast there it's not that i don't like unfair decks it's just that you know if i'm gonna sit down and have some fun i want to play Jund. i don't want to play storm i definitely don't want to play storm yeah <laughs> <laughs> i have I've, very strong feelings against storm i have played storm and legacy
0: poorly because yeah. like i had no reps <laughs> with it so yeah so i think it is play style i think though that you know if the unfair deck is in
1: on one hand like Oko mm-hmm. was an unfair deck. It was an unfair deck. Yep. Right. Not necessarily a combo deck, but it was unfair. But it
0: yeah. was un it was unfair because the rule in Magic it was breaking was that your opponent got to have cards that weren't three threes. <laughs> True. Right. So it was like like you you got to your six mana and you played your you know your big creature. Yeah. Y- you played. I'm trying to think of whatever whatever cre- big six mana standard creature. And it was like, okay, on my turn Cavalier Thorns. Yeah. You now have a three three. Yep. And it's like, oh, well, like this card had other things printed (laughs) on it, but I guess it's a three three now. It's just a three three. Right. So like that's why that deck was unfair, was it just your cards didn't do anything. Mm -hmm. And that's another kind of hallmark of unfair decks is I do my thing, your cards don't matter.
1: Yeah, your thing is so powerful it doesn't matter.
0: Yeah, it doesn't matter. When we played, when we played no banlist list modern yeah. at, at the store, you <laughs> showed up with death right shaman's and blood and blood Elf, red elves and, blood and Jund. I showed up with hypergenesis, right, and was like, okay, cool. I'll put the red prater out. Yeah, so everything. Or you, yeah, so everything you put in the play comes into the play tapped, and then I'll put in like hasty emeralds and yeah. attack
1: you. Yeah, on turn three. I don't know if you remember or not, but I'm pretty sure I won that round, though. You may have won that round. That's fine. That's <laughs> fine. That's
0: fine. But, like, that's the difference. Yeah, that's the difference. The difference. Okay. Yeah,
1: I mean, that highlights exactly what we were talking about, the different kind of players. Yeah, yeah. You, you showed up with the most broken Genesis, thing I, could do. I showed up with basically Modern Jund with some cards that maybe, may or may not, should be banned. Yes. Like, at the time, Bloodbraid was banned. Yeah, and now it is not. <laughs> now and it is not. Wildly unplayable. Right. Yeah, I was casting a uh, punishing fires.
0: There we go. It's <laughs> another card that probably shouldn't be banned. No, <laughs> no, it doesn't encourage the kind of magic they want to see. But like it also, to see. doesn't do anything. <laughs> oh, yeah, deal you to gain a life. I get it back, so I dealt yeah.
1: you one damage <laughs> for three mana. Target your uh, your Oko with my punishing fire. Oh, it's... target your Urza with my punishing fire. Oh, <laughs> get it back and do it again. Get it back, oh, get do it, it to do again. It back.
0: Okay. So next up, and I think we've already touched on this, is what are our opinions on changes to GPs and PTQs? Mm-hmm. I forget what episode it was, maybe like 48 or 49 we talked about it.
1: We've talked about it a bunch.
0: Yeah. Not a fan on losing buys. I think that that makes it kind of disincentivize playing.
1: I agree. I think that's an unpopular opinion, though, from what I've gathered.
0: Yes. I think there's a lot of people that see it as a positive. Yep. Uh, and I've I've heard, like, you know, you know, maybe it will help – you know, the players, you know, that let's say you are a medium mm-hmm. level pro ish kind of player, now you can't like make your deck for what you think the three O right decks are going to be. You have to actually make a deck that
1: can you, slog through the jank.
0: Yeah, that, like sit down and get some jank. That, yeah. That's beneficial. PTQs, I guess I am fine with getting rid of the PPTQ art. Our PTQ. our ptq rptq system with the fact that the ptqs we've gone to mm-hmm. have been like a hundred players right right i don't know how i would feel if every one of these that i showed up to was 400 players
1: no that would be awful and that is how it had been yeah for a while i didn't like the fact that pptqs used to be 15 players and rptqs used to be 70 players yeah i thought that was awkward that you could show up to a ptq or a pptq and get lucky and then sit down across from you know seven rounds worth of people that actually like fought to get there yeah that system had some flaws i don't want to play in 200 man ptqs though
0: there there are some people that are, like, relishing that. Like, you know, I guess the nostalgia of how it was when they were grinding in, like, 2010, yeah. Yeah. 2009. Like, it was so great to drive someplace and, like, take down a 300-person yeah. PTQ. And I was like, yeah, but what about the other, like, 13 weekends that you showed up and went, like, O two, 2 Right. And your
1: day was done. No, and, I think that there is a happy medium there. Yeah. Um I think that because they've split the PT basically from the pro tour into we now have the players tour and the, what's the other one? Like the invitational part of the players tour. Yeah. Whatever where you have to like win your invite from the players or out of yeah, the players like tour to get to players tour it is. championship yeah, or whatever. whatever yes. Yeah. I think because they've made that split, they can open up the players tour a little bit and maybe have some more slots in there and run more ptqs that are a little bit smaller yeah like if we could get somewhere around like 70 or 80 man ptqs i think that's probably a pretty good sweet spot where you still like if you just run hot you're probably not going to get there you have to be good you know what i mean
0: yeah no we definitely showed up to (laughs) some that were like you know 12 player ptqs and like or pptqs and like the top eight was us five of the people that showed up and that were in our car and we yeah. just killed each other in the top eight basically, or there'd be like, or then one random person like would just like, you know, it would be, we'd be on one side of the bracket. Yeah. We'd kill each <laughs> other. And then, you know, so, you know, like the, I think the 30 person PTQs, which people have been talking about, like yeah. kind of at the end of throne, mm-hmm. uh, or I guess the middle part of throne of Eldraine standard, are probably too small.
1: Yeah, they're a little on the small side.
0: But you know, the people like I've seen people who are like I think it was Daniel Fournier was like, I remember when the PTQs in the Toronto area were four hundred players. I'm like, yeah, like that's not reasonable. That's not reasonable for a store to run. Right. No, that's an that's open. That's like not reasonable for. That's a GP. Well, uh, lately, yeah. yeah. Uh, GP Portland was five ten. Right. GP uh, OKC was like <laughs> four. Yeah. People, just four. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I think it was like 350, yeah, 300. But like that's not good for the players mm. because now like it's a 400-person PTQ, 399 people are going home like not happy. Yeah, with basically nothing. And, you know, arena's pretty good. Like why are you going to like leave your like, – why are you going to leave your house? What are you going to put pants on? Yeah, we're going to put pants on to go like, well, odds are – even if you're the best player in the room mm-hmm. at a four hundred person event, you are a massive underdog
1: to win it. Absolutely.
0: Right. If LSV and P and Vito were at a four hundred person PTQ, mm-hmm. maybe combined their thirty percent to win the event. Right. But their seventy percent to lose. Yeah in an event that big, you pretty much have to go undefeated. Yeah. There's
1: a ton of variance built into this game.
0: Yeah. Like one, one round of like you get flooded, then you get screwed. Right. Your day's done. Mm -hmm. Right. So like, it's a lot to ask someone to drive three hours to an event where they could like play their worst matchup in the room round one and be eliminated like on the spot.
1: Yeah. And then turn around, drive three hours home.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Like jet sky fires like, Oh, they went like swamp cat. Been Scoop fun. Them up. <laughs> I guess I'll just leave now. Yeah. Right. And I think that's
1: No, I think like seventy, eighty players is probably the sweet spot. That's like just small enough to like do comfortably, but big enough where, you know, you're gonna get the cream rising. Yeah. And I mean we've covered this a whole bunch on yeah previous podcasts, so I don't want to go too much deeper into it. The one thing that I do wanna say though, we, we talked about GP numbers briefly, and I think we mentioned this on the podcast also. But um like main event we're talking main event numbers are down, but I don't think G P numbers overall are going down.
0: Yeah, I think there's a lot of people playing side events.
1: Yeah, a I lot I think of people playing have, Commander. Like a year ago, you know, they said they were moving away from Grand prixes and rebranding them as Magic Fests. Mm-hmm. And I think that's pretty much what they've done, is we now have Magic Fests where... There happens know, to be a GP. Yeah, Four or 500 people show up for a main event, but you fire, you know, 700-man PTQs, and you fire, you know, who knows how many Mystery Booster drafts. They ran out of Mystery Boosters every day in yeah. Portland. Mm-hmm. And you have, you know... Seventy, eighty 80 players hanging out in the command zone. You know, maybe you don't have the 1,200-player Grand prix anymore, but you got at least that playing side events every day.
0: Yeah, uh, I was listening to Magic FM on my way over here, and they just kind of mentioned in passing, they were talking about the, the Team Channel Fireball esports team, mm-hmm. and they just were like, yeah, there's some people here that, you know, are a little more casual, but that's the way that Magic's moving. Mm-hmm. And I think that is definitely like just highlighted in yeah there's more side events yep. happening there's less people trying to spike mm-hmm. the the PT uh the the PT invite from playing the GP right and i mean and you know i don't know what PTQ attendance is going to look like you know going forward mm-hmm. but if they're in the 30 to 50 range i think that's indicative of there are less people willing to
1: like Do the grind? Interested in that path? Yeah. Yeah,
0: that are even interested in it. I think you and I do it because, like, I feel like we think we're good enough that in a in a hundred person event, like we feel like we're live.
1: I feel like I'm good enough where if I get lucky, I've got a shot.
0: Yeah. Where like yeah, where if things line up well, that that I have a shot. Yep. I don't need my draws to be perfect. Right. But like if you know. I'm sure there are games that, like, I have flooded out that a better player would have, like, squeezed, like, three extra turns out of the game to maybe turn it around. Yeah. I'm right Great. there with you. But, yeah. But I think, like, in, like, a 50-person field, like, I feel pretty mm-hmm. confident pretty that good, I can yeah. win a 50-person tournament. Yeah. Because, like, you have a little bit more wiggle room built in. Mm-hmm. All right. So. Uh, two more questions. Two more questions. We are going... We are going long here. We didn't think we were going to have questions, and we're almost at two hours.
1: Oh wow! We're All at right. an
0: hour fifty nine.
1: <laughs> well, this next question is going to be super quick. It is: uh, What effect will Theros Beyond Death have on Pioneer?
0: Uh, keep on the lookout. We're going to do this the the spoilers episode, but uh, based on early results.
1: Whew. Well, also like how th- I got this question two weeks ago. How on earth am I supposed to answer this question with no spoilers?
0: Okay, I've seen some spoilers. <laughs> I reiterate. Yeah.
1: Woo-hoo. Yeah, we'll get there. Um <laughs> stay tuned.
0: All right, the last one here. Looking back on the year, yep. what has been your personal highlight for play- for Magic?
1: For Magic. What what do you got? Me first? You first. I've got two. Okay. Number 1? Okay this podcast I was
0: gonna say whatever the podcast but yeah, whatever no, fun, this fun podcast
1: is great we have a ton of fun doing it I enjoy answering people's questions that's one of the reasons we started this was we kept getting a bunch of questions about how to get better I enjoy helping people grow uh, that's kind of one of our goals with the show was to help people get better get more interested in competitive magic and yeah I've had a blast doing it it's, it's awesome the second thing was probably my first GP cash this year now,
0: that was gonna be mine too
1: yeah i was pretty pretty excited about that
0: so yeah, yeah i think, think yeah, there's I think anything GPDC else gp yep. dc for you Yep. i started out five zero four zero, then the wheels fell off <laughs> 4-0. 4-0 then the wheels fell off
1: yeah i killed that
0: tournament that'd yeah. be great and then gp atlanta with uh merit lage our lord and savior that's right uh she came through <laughs> someone tweeted out uh twenty twenty. Like they you see yeah, the tweezer, yeah, and like people were like putting in like you know what they and it just said flying into and destructive and I just <laughs> realized like all hail Merrill age. Yeah. Uh so yeah that is my that is mine. Like yeah, you know, I think that's that's the first time like I've gotten second I think second time I've gotten paid at a big mm-hmm. tournament. Yeah. I won fifty dollars back when uh were they they were classics. Oh, I won two hundred
1: dollars in a classic. Yeah, yeah. So I won fifty dollars with the dredge. <clears throat> yeah. I won with Rally.
0: Yeah, I beat Reanimator re- with, with attacking with two Narc Amoebas through an Iona. <laughs> that's living it. <laughs> yes, it is. Like, yeah, I got a Narc back, and he couldn't attack me, and I was like, yes. <laughs> so, yeah, so I think that's about it. We we had a section for Arena, but we also didn't intend on being here for two hours and a minute. Yeah. So, quick Arena thing. The the standard shakeup is a bunch of white go ride, wide decks the first day. I don't okay. know, Flame Sweep. Flame sweep. Cry Define the carnarium,
1: Yeah. Definite Clarion. Cry the carnarium,
0: Yeah. Those cards. But nonetheless. Right. Sweepers.
1: Yep. There we go. Uh, pro pro insight there. Yep. Play sweepers. Sweep yes. the shake up.
0: Yes. Feather seems all right, but needs work.
1: Okay. I haven't played the shake up at all, so.
0: Yeah. So with that, thank you for uh, riding out. We didn't know how long this episode was going to be. It, so. went it went long. went long. So thank you. Yep. If you want to tweet more questions at us, I have a tendency to just answer (laughs) things on Twitter.
1: I I tend to answer them too when people ask on Facebook or email or whatever. Yeah,
0: and James will uh, chime in from time to time, but you can get at us at Casual Tripod on Twitter.
1: Yep. You can find us at Casual MTG on Facebook. You can email us at show at CasualTryHardMTG.com. I just signed up for our official uh, Reddit account for the podcast. Ooh. So you'll see me hanging out on Reddit a little bit more coming up. Yeah, okay, We're going to get r slash casual tripod? I mean, we can. There we go.
0: Let's do it. There we go. We'll have a, we'll have a community. <laughs> All right. I'll work on that. All
1: right. There we go. Make sure you use our affiliate link. If you're purchasing any singles with your Christmas money burning a hole in your pocket, uh, tcg.casualtryhardmtg.com and i think that's it right yeah and with that we'll see you at fnm in the new year yep we'll catch you at fnm on january 3rd or whatever it is
0: calendars are hard happy new year happy new year